0: Please be advised, we will be discussing subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences and will include subjects that some will find challenging, traumatic, or triggering. Welcome to You Don't Fight Alone, a podcast sharing the stories of those of us successfully living with mental illness and how we got there. There's a a good five years I can't really remember, and I'm assuming that's it. You know, it's lots of binge drinking. Not because I had, like, a problem with alcohol, like, oh, I'm alcoholic, I should probably, like, get help for that, but because I was very consciously, like, I'm gonna drink as much as possible, and I knew farewell well what I was doing. My name is Matt, and my diagnosis is severe clinical depression. I was, as I was told. <laughs> I think when I was in grade school, I was having like some problems in school, not like academically, but just like, just being checked out and whatnot. And they're like, oh, well maybe he's got like ADD. And they put me on, you know, like Ritalin. And then they moved that up to Dexedrine. And I was like, I kept telling my mom, like, I don't want to take this shit anymore. Like, this isn't helping. This just, like, I'm not happy, and I still can't focus at school. This isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. I'm, like, I'm just sad. Like, I'm bummed. And she's, like, no, 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 you you just have a hard time focusing. I'm, like, no, I don't, you know? So, and, like, so I think when I was, like, 14, she agreed to take me off of medication. And I started doing better in school. My grades, like, went way up, but I was still just, like, really, really sad, for like no reason, you know, just, you know, like I just open my eyes in the morning and be like, oh, I'm on earth. Why am I here? Why am I in this body? Why do I have to get out of bed? And there's like no reason for it. And just like, and I go to school and people be like, hi, man. I'm like, Oh, don't talk to me. You know? And then that, and as I get older and had a little more, like when I get, I got kind of kicked out around 17 18 and when that happened I kind of like got my first taste of being able to like escape if I wasn't happy I could just like disappear and then and I guess when I was younger my mom didn't know what was going on outside of the whole ADD thing so she would take me to like therapists and they would try to talk to me and they thought it was like a relationship issue we had with each other and I was like no I just I don't know I just don't want to relate to anyone right now and they never like they thought it could be depression but they never. Like, identified it that just thought my mom and I should spend more time together and that never made it better. But so there's like a loose diagnosis when I was a kid, but that's mainly, you know, for my mom like, oh, my mom telling them what's wrong versus me telling them what's wrong with me or how I was feeling. So I came in her recommendation. But as far as like the full on, yeah, this is clearly what's going on it was in college when I was like, dude, I, they said, like, what was it, like, five or six suicide attempts in a month. Like, this isn't normal. I should talk to someone and, like, yeah, after weeks of just sitting down and talking and talking and talking and talking, they're like, all right, I think we know what's going on. And I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense, you know. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so that continued until I graduated. And then when I graduated, I was when I was like, I don't, like, want to. Like up right before I graduated, I was like I don't want to take medication anymore, and I don't, I don't think you guys are very helpful right now. But I thought I knew better, <laughs> as everyone that's depressed thinks they know better. Oh, I wouldn't even go to work. So I uh. I didn't want to do anything ever like at all like get out of bed talk to anybody so I tried to find a way to make that possible and so I had this job working at construction to pay rent while I was in college but I didn't even want to be in college I was just in college because like I'd already been like disowned by my family and I wanted to like make them proud somehow because I was just kind of like a fuck up you know I was more interested in unhealthy like unhealthy habits and so i was going to college and had to find a way to pay for it and i got this job working construction but i didn't want to work at all so i had to find a way to like have a job but not get fired from it and so they had this like engraving machine and if i learned how to use it no one else in the in the uh the office knew how to work it i figured if i learned how to work it they'd save like five or $6,000 a month I have me on. And so I learned how to work this thing and I never taught anyone else how to do it. And then once I did that, they're like, Oh my God, this guy's valuable. He's saving us money. I just like stopped showing up to work. I remember during like the two weeks, no one knew where I was or what I was doing. I'd like wake up on the kitchen floor and be like, Oh, there's like an empty bottle of Jameson. And apparently I took all these antidepressants at one time and these sleeping pills that my, Um, psychiatrist prescribed to me in college like that's not good (laughs) but I have like no recollection of doing that or like two weeks would go by and like fuck I haven't been home like I don't even and like I don't even know what I was doing it was just like two weeks of couch surfing or sleeping in the back of my car or like driving out into the woods and just kind of walking out and just like yeah just sleeping in nature just like trying to disappear like, not wanting to, like, exist, but I guess not having enough, like, enough courage to commit suicide, even though I think I tried, like, five times in one month and it just, like, didn't work out. But it's, like, n- n- now thinking about it, and like, oh, yeah, I did those things, but during the time I had, like, no recollection of it happening. But it's, like, a five-year, like, span of that, like, being a place where I didn't know where I was or, like, just... Literally it's like checking out, not calling into work, not talking to my family, not talking to my friends, and just being like gone for weeks on end, and then I'd come to him and like, Oh wait, I should probably go to work and do something now, you know? <laughs> like I remember graduating and I like I hadn't gotten any better. Like, I remember graduating and we're sitting at like Olive Garden and everyone was celebrating, like, oh my god, my baby, he's like My mom was real proud. She's like, you're the first, like, to go to, like, a major university and, like, graduate. Like, this is incredible. Like, my sister had graduated, like, two years earlier. And she was the first in her family, I think, to get a four-year degree, other than, like, one of my uncles. And then I was the first to go to, like, a major university and graduate. And so they're, like, they're all celebrating. And everyone was, like, I don't know. They're really, really happy for me. But I remember sitting at the table being, like, oh, hey, Like, I don't have an excuse now. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I just disappeared for, like, a good two years. So I disappeared because I just didn't want to exist. Or, and then I'd get lonely and I'd pop up in the minute, you know, just so people wouldn't worry. But then people would want to hang out and pay attention. I'd be like, oh, I don't want this anymore. And I'd run away. But, um. I think the two, like the two years after I graduated that I just completely checked out and I was gone. It was like, I had made some new friends and spent a lot of time around them and a lot of time talking to them. And, um, but I th- what, what I think spawned that two years was like, in college, I had to be medicated for depression. And it just, I thought it puffed me up more than I was to begin with. Like I wouldn't sleep and I was losing weight. And I like, I had periods where I just like black out and they kept like adjusting the medication to like make it worse. And I felt like the more medication they gave me, the more I was like, I just want to die. Like this sucks. And it's funny if you read like the side effects of a lot of antidepressants, it's like may may induce like suicidal thoughts. I'm like, why the fuck would you give that to anyone? That's like sad to begin with. That's like the, the worst thing you could do. But, um. I think after a couple of years of like bouncing, like medications being adjusted and whatnot, I remember telling this right before I graduated, telling my psychiatrist, I was like, I don't want to take these anymore. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, there's got to be another way. And I remember being at that, like that dinner with my family after I graduated and like that whole panic, like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I knew I wasn't right. I knew I wasn't okay. Cause I knew like the, the five years leading up to like that point weren't all like normal people don't do that you know and like I I I had to figure something else out so I, I I kind of took a hiatus from a lot of things that were familiar and from family and from some friends I was really close to and then especially like drinking buddies and I just I looked for a job for like two weeks and then I didn't get it because of depression like i applied to be a, a research assistant in antarctica and i didn't clear that part of it they're like ah you know you qualified but we kind of can't put you down here for like six months with your like your history of mental illness it's not going to be good for you and it's like oh no i'll be fine and they're like no you won't and like, they're probably right two years of step back and I left Colorado and went back to California for a little bit. I don't know if you've been to Los Angeles, but it's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of an exhausting place. That's extremely intimidating. And everyone is like infinitely prettier than I am and smarter than me, with like way more ability than I have. And I was like, Oh, I'm just like a dumb kid from the mountains. That's, you know, but, uh, no, they, they they were really, really, really good because like I was. I might as well be from here. Like I've spent like 20 some odd years in Colorado, but I'm originally from LA. Then I'd go back during the summers, like see friends or just go hang out and make more friends. But when I moved back after college, like most of the people I knew were gone with the exception for like my sister, who's not my sister, but might as well be my sister. And, um, uh, one of my good friends. So I only knew like two people there. And so it's kind of like starting all over again. It's like, well, Like, I didn't have a place to live. I didn't really know anyone. So I was like, all right, this is like a clean slate. Like, here, I'm not a drunk. Here, I'm not depressed. Here, I'm not all these things that were plaguing me back home. So it's kind of like a fresh start. For one, I wasn't drinking as much because I couldn't afford to. And then I was living in the backseat of my car for, like, four months. And, like, that kind of sucked. And I was like, well, this is not comfortable." I don't know if you've ever lived in your car. It's not, not the most comfortable, but it's it's not much bigger than like an LA apartment. So, um, <laughs> but, but yeah. So it's like, well, this isn't comfortable. So I need to work really, really hard so I can move out of my car, and then I also need to be really, like really kind to people, and make new friends, so I can have connections within the city and start surviving. Because LA is like a place where you need to know someone that knows someone to know someone to know someone to get by. And so it was kind of like that, like reinventing myself, like, all right, I don't, I'm not like this piece of shit that abuses himself and violates everyone else's trust. I'm not this guy that's just going to disappear. Like I'm here and I need to do something. And like, that was really helpful, I think. My mom and I were able to start talking, so that was good. And then learning to be friends was kind of when, like, I had come to terms with the fact that I just had depression and there was going to be no pill or no amount of talk and anyone was going to, like, change the fact I had severe clinical depression in their, like, their professional opinion. But, like, there's nothing that was going to make it go away. It was just, it was there. It's, it's. Like, I'm just going to have it till I die. It's 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 an in-law that you don't like. It just shows up uninvited, hangs around, like, eats all your cottage cheese, and its nope. feet stink, and it sits on your couch, and it runs up your cable bill watching, like, pay-per-view porn, and then it leaves without saying goodbye, and you're like, god damn, thank god it's gone. But, you know, it's, it's, it's there. It's like your in-law. You can't, you know, you have to be loving of people in the world, so when it shows up, you're like, oh, I guess I have to accommodate you. You're here. And when you're done, you'll leave, you know, so I think coming to terms with that, that I just have it and I need to learn to like live with it and accept it, but l- learn that that's not like, that doesn't have to identify me and who I am and how I treat myself and the people around me. And I think coming to ter- like realizing that is what allowed me to start to become friends with like my mom and being like, well, me feeling this way isn't your fault like a lot of unfortunate things happened to you in your life and you did the best that you could with what you had. And it might not have been what I thought was okay, but it's not about me. It's about you trying to raise us and I appreciate you. So I think me coming to terms with what was going on in my head and why I was feeling the way I was feeling allowed me to like remove some anger I had towards her. And then we could finally start to talk heart to heart and then, it allowed me to approach like some of my other friends and make, Hey man, I'm really sorry. The way I was in the past wasn't okay. And like, you don't have to forgive me. You know, I'm not trying to like, I have depression, please forgive me. It's not my fault. I'm like, it is my fault. Like I, I consciously made the choices I made. And I think that made a lot of my friendships better. And so when all that started happening, I started reconnecting with people. And yeah, that allowed me to meet my wife. But the, the the thing they don't tell you is like, like right now I'm all sweating in my armpits because I get anxiety now because since I'm no longer trying to like run from problems because I'm feeling down or whatnot, if I'm not feeling good, I still force myself to go out and like talk to people. Like you have to get out of bed. You have to put your shoes on. You have to take a shower. You have to brush your teeth. I don't feel like it, but you have to do it, you know? And like force myself to do these things like makes my life better. But now it's like, how do I deal with anxiety, you know, <laughs> which everyone's like, it's a separate thing, but I don't think it is. I think it's forcing yourself. I don't know. I learned I wasn't good at talking to people, so I would force myself to get on airplanes and travel to cities where I knew absolutely nobody. So I like still given into like the escapism that I always wanted. Like when I had depression, I always wanted to run away and disappear I was like, what if I don't, what if I run away, but I don't disappear? What if I just take trips? What if I go to strange places filled with strange people and I just force myself to talk to people? And I started doing that. And then I showed up in New York and my wife was like the first person I said hello to. Oh man, I'd be terrified to tell my younger self something. Younger Matt was like 15 pounds heavier and pure muscle and had a black belt in Taekwondo and was way angrier than current day Matt. He would fuck me up. <laughs> he would not listen to me at all. But I, I I think I would just like, I don't know, stare at myself and be like, it's going to be okay. And the people around you aren't your enemies. Like, you should try loving people for a change. It's, it's going to make your life a lot easier. And you should figure this out sooner. You're going to figure it out but maybe you're not going to feel regretful when you're older for having wasted so much time being so angry and so elusive. And then he'd punch me in the face. When I was younger, I squandered so many opportunities to go out and travel and meet new people and challenge myself by just either being drunk or running away and being afraid because I didn't like myself. And I thought I was going to fail no matter what I did that I didn't want to miss out anymore. And it started with someone being like, Hey, you should come out. Like, you, you know, like me getting the invite to go back to Los Angeles. I was like, okay, I'll go. And I just like through these, uh, I had these two boxes I took everywhere with me and I had no idea what was in them. But for the last like four years as I moved, there were the two boxes I always brought with me. So like I got the invite to go to LA and I put these two boxes in my car and I had like five hundred bucks and I just drove out that drove out there ready to make a change. And through living out there, I met people down in San Diego and I was able to go to San Diego. Then I met people in San Francisco and I was able to go up there and then I met a guy in Los Angeles that introduced me to someone out here in Denver that gave me a real good job opportunity. So I came out to Denver and then I met someone in LA that knew someone in New York and he hooked me up with a guy in New York. So I was able to go out there and get tattooed. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to New York and get tattooed. And then when I met my wife, she's like, come meet me in Philadelphia. So I went to Philadelphia and then I came back to Denver and I met someone that lived in Germany. And I was like, cool. I'm going to come visit you in Germany. And I just started like, you know, they had little goals. Just taking the, hey, you should come up, like, okay, you know? And then showing up, like, well, I didn't make any plans, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just going to walk around and say hi to people, because I know I think people are a lot more interesting than, like, buildings. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, old architecture and everything's cool, but it's not as cool as, like, sitting down and, like, having a beer with someone and, like, just talking. (music) swing it's, it's pretty easy you know i'll sleep like seven or eight hours i'll pop out of bed like i said i'll pick up my banjo and play like good night ladies to like wake up and annoy my wife maybe she loves it she's probably annoyed by it now because it's just i'll play it for like 30 minutes but the same opening lick but yeah and then i'll like well I'll take my dog to the dog park and she'll run around with dogs and i'll just like flop around worshiping the sun like oh this feels so good on my skin and then I'll bring the dog home and I'll go into my backyard and rub my face and all the plants because they all smell good. And then I'll like go buy muffins or whatever and bring them to work and then like hug all my coworkers and, you know, just try really, really hard. You know, that I'll go home and I'll sing and dance on the way home. Like pretty happy-go-lucky. You know, I feel like a Muppet when, you know, like, I yeah, I feel like Fozzie the Bear or something. But when it shows up, it's kind of like, okay, I want to, I'm going to sleep for like 12 hours. It's going to take me an hour to get out of bed. I'm not going to brush my hair. I'm probably going to like not shower for a week. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to probably, I'm going to try to get by eating like one meal a day and I'm not going to feel motivated at all to work. And I just, I'll get real quiet. You know, and I'll 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 try to be like friendly to everybody, but I'll just I just won't reach out to people as much. My wife is real helpful in helping me combat all that. She's like the ultimate antidepressant because she's just like pure joy personified in a human being. But she's also like I've told her whenever I'm, or even like friends I'm really really close to, like when it sets on, it's pretty easy to notice, but just like ignore it don't like cater to it. Cause then that's just going to make me feel real guilty and real low. And I'm going to feel sensitive and I'm going to get depressive or not depressive. I'm going to get like defensive and lash out. It's like, but you know, if you just, if you ignore it and you're come on, dude, just get your shoes on. We need to go. I'm like, all right. And like, no, we need to go to the grocery store. Like, I don't care what you say. We're going. I'm like, okay. You know, it's like, you have to get this drawing done. Like sit down and draw, not like force me to do things, but making sure I'm like taking care of the stuff I need to. And, like, that's been real helpful, having, like, people watch out for me. So I like to, I think, if I feel lonely, everyone else probably feels lonely, too. So maybe we can make each other better just by being friendly with one another and talking to each other. And I think that's helped me with depression, too. I don't feel as lonely when I talk to someone. Even if it's like, what kind of food does your cat like? Oh, green pea and chicken? Cool. Mine likes, like, salmon flavored cat food you know but someone at least took like a minute to acknowledge you in your existence and to have lived so long feeling like I didn't exist it's kind of nice because I think with depression you spend so much time in your head so it's good to like talk to strangers and hear what their life is about like what their life is like because it's always like they, they you could be like a CPA for some place in Denver Tech Center like oh what's that about like I want to know you know that's that's interesting, so. But yeah, just hi. My name's Matt. Who are you? For more information, please visit youdon'tfightalone.org. You don't fight alone is supported in part by MLH Services a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. For your marketing needs, mlh-services.com. The You Don't Fight Alone podcast is a production of You Don't Fight Alone Incorporated, produced and engineered by James Fisher and Keaton Lycom. The information presented by You Don't Fight Alone is not intended as medical advice. If you have mental health questions, please talk to a mental health professional.